0: Local programming on KRWG, made possible in part by viewers like you. Thank you. It's political season again in our community, and a lot of conversation has been had about politics lately. We love to have political roundtable discussions here at Fronteras. We always try to bring lively topics, lively debates, a lot of questions about a lot of contentious races, some even political scandals going on in our own community. We're gonna try to explore that here on Fronteras in the next couple shows. One of the most contended races in the El Paso community has been, and also in the news, has been House District 75, Texas. House District 75. Of course, uh, a lot of people wondering what's going to happen after Texas State Representative Chente Quintanilla, who has for a very long time held that position, decided to actually step aside and go into the county commissioner's race. He is actually now running for county commissioner precinct three. And uh, a lot of people talking, well, who is actually going to be the next state representative? There's been a lot of candidates. Candidates have jumped in, jumped out, Uh, A lot of people have said, well, this is one of the most interesting races because a lot of new faces. There is a presumed front runner now for House District 75, already christened by some staff members of the El Paso Times and also staff uh, in other news networks, including the local political blogosphere. So today we have that particular front runner for House District 75 joining us. A very good friend of mine state representative candidate, Mary Gonzalez, joining us here at Fronteras. Mary, instead of me going over uh, your story, I'd like for people to hear it from you. Tell me a little bit more about yourself, where you grew up, uh, what you've been doing, and more importantly, why are you running for District 75?
1: Thank you, Hector, for allowing me to be here today. I am I grew up in Clint Texas which is a little bit outside of El Paso uh, part of the agricultural community in El Paso County and I am a proud graduate of Clint High School. um, Oldest of 11 siblings and have great parents who have been really supportive of me and you know I graduated from high school went away to UT Austin to get degrees in history and Mexican-American studies. My master's in social justice and I'm working on a PhD in education from UT Austin. I grew up on a farm and so when you grow up on a farm you're a hard worker and uh, I am worked full-time while going to school full-time, and so I've been really fortunate to work at the Capitol for three legislative sessions, worked at the National Hispanic Institute, where, we know each where other that's how we met, uh-huh. um, and then went on and worked at UT Austin and then Southwestern University as an assistant dean and uh, an instructor there um, very recently. So I left all that and left the classroom and put up my PhD on a pause for a second, because this seat is really critical it's really crucial in the texas house open seats only come around once in a blue moon and right. and i think that we we as a community need to make sure that we find the strongest um, legislator the one who's the most qualified to make a difference a- hd seventy five is really unique it has a strong agricultural rural community but then it also has the fast growth um, areas of the Far East El Paso, and so you have to be able to understand the city and the country in order to, adic- to adequately represent a district like HD 75, and so kind of the background as an educator, as a, someone who worked in, in policy and, and understands city dynamics uh, and issues in, in, in the country, I felt that I was, you know, really set up to do something like this.
0: Now, let's clear up for, for audience before we jump in a little more into the discussion. Tell me a little bit about the community. where, If people want to conceptualize what the district looks like, where is it? Especially now with all the redistricting stuff going on.
1: Sure. Um, with the new lines or with the lines that were you know, finalized, We, if you're in El Paso, Zaragoza to Tornillo. Uh-huh. And it's a basically a giant triangle and so you're getting again the far east side of El Paso, the new growth areas <coughs> um, someone told me the other day you know it's fast growing because you have a super target and super yeah. target goes into places where um, you know you're gonna have a lot of population boom and then you have the valley, Tornillo, Fabens, Clint, Sanelli. Uh, you have Horizon, you have East Montana it's a very very diverse district, it's beautiful with emissions and, and just a beautiful district
0: now, I'm gonna jump into this, um, this head on. And a lot of people you know, that watch our programming here on PBS like to watch because of the political roundtable. In my particular format, I, I tend to be a little more opinionated. And I'm gonna try to draw you in a little bit with that just because I've been observing politics in El Paso for quite some time. I'm a lifelong El Paso and myself. It frustrates me to see some of the things that I've seen. Um, you and I have had conversations off air about some of the um, disappointments that we have had with uh, a lot of the scandals uh, that our community is currently facing. Um, but there also seems to be new blood coming in. I mean, there's, there's candidates like yourself. Uh, there's other candidates like a uh, uh, Vincent Perez. Uh, there's candidates that, that are young, that have succeeded already, that are trying to make their way back in, like a Joe Moody. Um, there is this group of individuals that is actively trying to, to begin to turn the tide Give me your impression as to some of these things that have been going on in our community, um, your thoughts about it. Uh, and in particular, a lot of it has to do with, with the area that you're representing. I mean, a, a recent scandal going on there with uh, some, uh, some arrests of a uh, county commissioner, uh, Willie Gandara, a lot of things going on, negative stuff. Uh, does, it, does, it, does it bother you? I, I mean, it, it bothers me.
1: It bothers me because it continues to reinforce the impression that politicians are corrupt. And so when I talk to my siblings about running for office, they're like, oh, Mary, politicians are crooks. And yeah. as someone who's an educator, someone who really values young people, I want to be able to show that there's, that they're not, not all politicians are bad, that there's people out there running for political office who truly just care and want to make a difference. And so the new blood, like, you know, a Joe Moody or, or, or myself, for example, we do provide the opportunity to say, like, There are people who sincerely care about the community, who are willing to put the community above themselves, who are willing to sacrifice, and and sincerely care, and aren't corrupt. and And I think that it's important that people like myself, or or, or Joe, or you know Vince, et cetera, run to to provide um, a fresh a breath of fresh air, a shining light. Just because, you know, whether we like it or not, politics is always going to exist. So we can either let politics be corrupt, or we can say, no, we're gonna put a stop to it, we're gonna define our destiny, we're going to pick people who we know care and value our community.
0: Your district catches my attention a little bit. It's it's also uh, part of the area where I personally have a lot of vested interest in. Um, It is the single fastest growing area of the city. Mm -hmm. Our community is now largely becoming a fast-rising Latino-Hispano capital. When you look at your particulars, of the community in terms of what it's received from the state of Texas over the course of time. Kind of low uh, in terms of the things that have been done in that area. Uh, I think I heard you on one of your speeches lately where you mentioned that the the highest number of colonias are, are in your district. Because of all the things that have been going on in the political landscape of El Paso, do you think your community has been taken advantage of?
1: I mean, I think we've been ignored. I think especially if you think of Sanelli, right, which is like one of the oldest parts of the state, and it's barely getting some very necessary roads. And still, (coughs) 49% of the people who live in Sanelli live below the federal poverty line. So, when you think about things like that, I don't know if we've necessarily been taken advantage of, but we haven't been listened to. We haven't been um, given the necessary things that we need in order to, to continue to build as a community. We've just been thrown aside, just been ignored, just, you know, and basic things, I, I, t- I have conversations with, with other legislators and, and we talk about education policy and we talk about these great and grand ideas right. and I have to pause sometimes and say well this is all very important I still have to work on water roads, basic street things. lines, just, yes. just basic basic things that people need to live in a, a modern-day society and, and so I think I think that's why we need to someone who's a fighter, who understands the process, who, and who understands how to get things done at the Capitol.
0: Tell me a little bit more about the, the, the uh, idea for your community in terms of your vision. I, I, I like to ask that question a lot because um, in, in prior occasions people have stumbled on that. You're, you're talking about very basic things, water, uh, being able to bring basic services out to folks. Um, if you're able to succeed in some of those things, what do you think your vision for the community, uh, in in terms of its future, is, and, and how do you plan to work towards that?
1: I think my vision primarily rests in young people. Uh, definitely, uh, being a role model and showing and empowering young <coughs> people to organize, to, to collect, to to to, to, to be a part of a collective to make a difference, and and so providing role I, and well. The vision may not seem grand, like oh, I want to build a freeway or something. I have visions of making sure everyone has access (coughs) to, to roads. I mean, to their schools because they they have a road now. Making sure that we can do some economic development because we have water in certain areas, so people don't have to go 18 miles to get to the nearest grocery store, and so that the food there at the grocery store is healthy. And and while these visions may not seem grand, these visions are probably extremely important. Of basic infrastructure of basic um, equal educational a- education systems of making sure that our senior citizens are taking care of of making sure that our, our people with disabilities are taken care of yeah. and while these may not seem like grand visions these are the necessary visions and, and my job is to really listen to voters and this is what they're telling me that their vision is for their community that their community is one that is healthy that is supported that is growing and that is um, really making sure that it's a safe place for the next generation. Let's
0: talk about some of the realities also in achieving some of this vision, as well as some of the basic infrastructure that, that, you're, that you're placing a lot of emphasis on. You've worked in Austin. Uh, Austin is a place where uh, you, know, it's, you have a, a large majority Republican uh, representation, uh, where a city that is traditionally Democratic is, is kind of in the minority a lot of obstacles in terms of achieving a lot of these basic things and, and uh, it, it, in, in my own personal view, I would even say that's in many ways how our community has been taken advantage of because they see it as someone that they could definitely walk through in terms of representation because <laughs> Democrats. Uh, the democratic representation is so, so small. Um, in your view, what are, what are some things that, that you can look to begin to do in terms of trying to navigate those waters?
1: Well, I think first is this session. You know, last session we had a super majority of the Republicans. Yeah. This session we're actually looking to not so have such a, a a super majority, maybe even back in the 70s. And so, hopefully, if we can get the numbers back to equal equal out with Republicans and Democrats, then we might be able to to get some things through. And then I think the other thing is I have a natural ability to coalesce with even some Republicans, right? If When it comes to the agricultural, more rural communities, well, that's part of my district, too, and so there are opportunities to coalesce. And the third, you know, I was really fortunate to, to call a mentor um, to some state representatives, and when I see the ones who are able to get things through, it's because they really work hard. They go yeah. and talk to all the representatives and say, "This is why we need to do this." This is and create awareness, create coalitions, um, and then mobilize their local communities and make sure that they're fighting for the issues too. And so I think there's still, even though in a supermajority, there's still some ways to get things through.
0: It's it's interesting that that we get to talk about strategies and what we would do if you were able to get there um, but obviously there's still a long campaign have we decided how many days are left now between now and the time there's actually an election day when is the election day
1: the election dates may 29th
0: now tell me a little bit about some of the some of the stuff going on here because for a while it, it just seemed like it was never never going ending end. like <laughs> were we gonna ever going to have an election that that was a question i was actually asking people where are we with that? What was some of the battle behind that? Because I know a lot of people were kind of in the blue as to what was going on and what the district was gonna say. I think it even led to the to the dropping out of one of the candidates from the race, didn't it? Uh, what, what happened there?
1: Um, well, that, that's a lot of questions. <laughs> in one a lot of questions, uh, yeah. Me just I, I can tell you a little bit. Now that we have an election date, it, it, it does create some momentum, some excitement. I think people were getting born out like okay we're campaigning we're campaigning not just myself as a candidate but the voters when is this gonna happen yeah. and so now it allows us to strategize more it allows people who want to be involved in the process understand okay I have to this is urgent this is critical and I think creating a sense of urgency around these elections is really important because it's a it's an important time to make sure that we get the right people in there and so now the dates may 29th mm-hmm it's a difficult date because it's it's right before the summer break it's you know people are getting ready to to go out of town and so we really need to make sure that we're spreading the word about this is a day we all have to go out there and vote this is a day and we know it's been moved back from march and then from april and now we're in june but this is a day we have to really mobilize our communities take our neighbors our parents our aunts and uncles and as a campaign while it did create more of a momentum and excitement, we, it never really changed much because we've been working since day one. We've knocked on over 3,000 doors, we've been meeting with voters, we've been raising money, we've been getting, gaining endorsements, and so we've just, you know, we've already had a lot of excitement. We really believe that this this campaign can really support a community that really needs a fighter. And so we've been ch- trying to use this campaign as um, a symbolic way to show how my candidacy, how my, if I were elected, what I would be like as an elected official, someone who's gonna fight the whole way. And um, I, as per the Lions, we lost eight precincts and gained one um with the new lines, and uh-huh. so some people were moved in and out of that that district
0: did you knock on some of those doors now outside of your. we did
1: knock on some of those doors, oh, but no. only a few so. yeah but um either way el paso is like a big high school and even if you live two blocks outside of the district you, know, you know people you're in the district other, yeah you're ending
0: up, yeah tell me uh you've done you're obviously talking a little bit about the block walking you've done some of the commentary you've received from when you've been block walking uh Good and bad. You know what are what are some of the biggest things that are coming up in terms of, of, of issues in your block walking?
1: Um, definitely public libraries. A lot of people out that, that are outside of the out of, outside of the city don't have access to public libraries. and uh-huh. they think that's really important for their children. Again, roads, infrastructure. Um, education is a, a huge one everyone knows about the four billion dollars cut to education last session and kind of the critical situation we are in funding education for our next generation um, economic development so there a lot of different issues I think one of the things I commonly hear is a thank you for, from people at the door I've really worked hard to make sure this campaign stays as positive as possible and I people are really excited that there's someone in that, has excitement, has energy, who's qualified, who um, really is trying to change the way of politics, especially out there in the valley.
0: How about the biggest critiques? Any critiques thus far along the way, either in the block walking or
1: that I'm too cute and too young to be <laughs> running for office? <laughs> really, too
0: cute, too young. You know, you bring up young. Um, I know uh, some opponents have have begun to use that as a critique. Yeah. A lot of people have been saying...
1: No, no not the too cute.
0: Not the too cute. <laughs> no, nah, not the too cute. The young part has been, but not the too cute, yes. Um, they, they use that, and and you know what? It, it upsets me personally because I think, wait a second, this is the exact kind of thing we want. We want young, educated, prepared, experienced individuals coming back to the community. What's the problem here? That's my own personal reaction to some of the commentary, but I'd like to allow some time for you to, to kind of respond to that. A a lot of people talking about, well, uh, why is Mary coming back from Austin all of this time? I mean, you studied in Austin, but uh, give a little bit of of response to the comment about Young and the fact that they've said, well, you were living in Austin, you were being educated in Austin.
1: Well, I'm not as young as I look. As I, th- I, th- I think the first thing, people assume that I'm a lot younger, but I'm 28 years old, which is the same age that, you know, Joe Moody or Joaquin Castro or, you know, Marisa Marquez came in at 29, right. um, came into the, le- to the political sphere. And so, right. while I'm young, I'm not younger than any other, any, anybody else who's kind of jumped into this yeah. and been successful. Exactly. Um, and the second thing is, is yes, I am from Clint. I grew up here. I, I, my whole family's from here. And I went away to school. And I was able to go away to school from the support of my parents, from the support of community scholarships through 4-H or through livestock shows. Mm -hmm. And and so when a whole community comes and says, we want this young child to succeed, and we're going to help her and go away to college. And then I go away to college, and then I come back to use all these degrees to make a difference in my community, my home, um, to make sure that my family and my siblings have a legislator who cares about them. Then it turns into a negative, right? Only in politics yeah, is going away to get an education viewed view as a negative. Yeah. I mean, I- in other I- other industries, other worlds, it would be like, wow, this woman cares about the community. Um, is going went and get got an education and then came back. And mm-hmm. I think you know, someone asked me early on in this campaign if I felt that my campaign was um, a symbolic, mm-hmm. and I'm like, definitely, it's symbolic of. the of something I've always told young people, get educated, go to school, think critically, but then always come back and think about the community that, that helped you get to where you are. We tell young people all the time, go go to school, get a job, and make money, but I think, as, especially as an educator, I think we have to simultaneously tell young people, go to school, get a, get a job, but always think about how you're going to give back to your community, and exactly. I think that's a missing piece of what we're teaching young people. And so I hope that my actions are symbolic to young people about what is beyond getting a job. What can we do to really make a difference? And so this um, campaign is my way of, of walking the, um, of preach practicing what I preach. Yeah. Walk if, the walk. Yeah, walk in the walk. If I, I if I tell young people sometimes it's about sacrifice, then I'm going to sacrifice. I'm going to quit my job, I'm going to put a pause on my PhD, and I'm going to run for a position that only pays about $7,000 a that's year, right. beca- and sacrifice, and sacrifice because I believe that's the right thing to do.
0: You know, uh, let's talk a little bit about that. And, and I, I have to say, and I, I freely use my opinion on, on this television show on a regular basis, I couldn't agree with you more in terms of how you frame the, the example that we're setting for our youth um you and i know each other through the national hispanic institute we talk about this on a regular basis with nhi alumni active members of the organization um and one of the big things that we talk about is going above and beyond for your community the story of sacrifice you have i have heard you tell the story and and i'd love for you to be able to tell a little bit about it to all of our audience the story of of why you came back and and what you what you left behind it's 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 you've left behind a pretty a a pretty made life for yourself uh you know and and the story of your family too and the reasons why you're so close to your family I think are important for our viewers to listen if not only to to kind of highlight the reasons why you're doing it but also to to kind of talk a little bit about that example of 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 uh for for our youth tell me a little bit about that uh I know your family's big and I know you're the things that you left behind in in Austin were significant, but not as significant as, as what you're doing here.
1: Well, my family means the world to me. I mean, they're especially my little brothers and sisters. They are, you know, I was driving up here, and I spent Saturday night playing Pictionary with them, and they've become my best friends. And you know, they're I'm in a part of my PhD program where I was able. To, to to not be in the classroom and do research wherever I wanted to do research and so because it was I was following my time I wanted to embrace the opportunity to to come back so I came back um, regardless of this race to be closer to my siblings and then this race started to happen but I did I did have a career that I was building I did have um, a PhD that I've been working on and 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 it was a sacrifice to run but I tell young people that I work with i'm fortunate to be national president for latina service sorority and so i have about four thousand latinas all over the country that i get to work with and i I, one of the messages i talk to them about is that eighteen percent of latinos have a college degree that's a very small portion of our community as a whole and so therefore we have a responsibility to think use our intellectual capital to make a difference to um, apply our degrees in a critical way to support our community to continue to to, um, to encourage our community to grow and, and become stronger as I mean like the way it does every day and so I think that is one of the main messages that that this campaign is symbolic of is the idea of an intellectual um, service mm-hmm. an intellectual servitude right to, to, to combine the classroom knowledge to the practical reality of what's going on
0: we we're, we're down to the last few minutes I'd like to to ask two questions that I regularly ask my guests. Um, the, the first one is, you know, if, if you had some advice to give to other young people that may be interested in in one day running for office, um, what would that advice be?
1: I would say the actions are really important. If you're interested in running for office, I think um, your actions now prepare you for the future life you want to live. And so, you have to think about, what am I putting on Facebook? What am I putting on Twitter? Um, How am I representing myself right now? Even as early as 15, 16, 17, 18, because this will come back to to be part of your legacy. And so what kind of legacy do you want to leave? Do you want to leave a positive legacy where people can say, oh, I remember that person. They were always so helpful. They were always so kind. They were always trying to make a difference or a legacy that is kind of spotty. And so I would tell young people, watch your actions now because they will determine your future and the second thing I would tell them is is role models I am extremely fortunate to have multiple role models everyone from my parents to my academic advisors and uh, people at UT Austin and then people now in the political world who have been just great role models no one gets to where they are by themselves and they have to say thank you and they have to really be able to accept some help and some support and some ideas from other other spaces
0: and and you actually led me right into my my other question that i regularly ask on the show in in a couple words maybe maybe two or three the legacy you'd like to leave behind
1: Um, someone who's a fighter and uses her personal and political self to to make a difference for the community
0: mary i wish you the best of luck on the campaign um you know i I think that you're the type of person that we need more of in our community and i wish you the very best
1: thank you um
0: folks when we talk about the future of our community when we talk about a changing america it begins with ourselves it begins in our own neighborhoods it begins in our own districts election season is upon us and there's a lot of things on the table Uh, mary gonzalez is one of two candidates currently in the race it was a lot bigger field but actually that field has now narrowed to just two um and a potential third that is in the process i guess of of filing or and those individuals are mary gonzalez Hector Enriquez and Tony uh, San San Román. Tony San Román are the three candidates running for House District 75. We will uh, make an effort to bring other people onto our show so that we can have all of you listen to their opinions, but uh, definitely get involved because this is exactly what we need to talk about in our community. For all of us here at Fronteras, have a good evening. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time. I'm Hector H. Lopez.